find your weed, everyone. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Let's rock and roll, Nicole. Good morning from Denver, Colorado. Everybody's telling me where they're from. Oh, really? Yep. Hollywood. That's kind of cool. There's a curfew lake. Uh, cur- <laughs> curfew lake? <laughs> Sorry. That's, uh, cur- that's curly- timely. Curly- that's <laughs> very timely of you, Nicole. Well, <laughs> is it WA's Washington, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. I used to know all of my abbreviations when I worked as a secretary, but I've... All the state abbreviations? I've forgotten a few. It's important information, to call. Yes. Well, good morning, ah, everyone. Yes, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, and happy Friday, and uh, I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. And we're doing the wood- Woodworking Morning Show. <laughs> I don't even know why I bother. I'm just going to put up a title. Friday, Friday Live, Woodworking Morning Show. It's <laughs> I'm going to just start putting up a title, together. and then not even speaking, yeah. right? Just all lower thirds, the Nest entire G's show. Nest in the chat, all Nest. the way from... Australia. I like everybody announcing oh, I love it. where they're from. Me too. It's kind of cool. Yep. It's, it's a, we have quite the uh, the wide variety of people. Eddie's in All over the globe. Just up the way from us. Just up a that away. Just up a that away. <laughs> Just up a that away. <laughs> All right. So we've got uh, a, a number of uh, good things for you guys today. Yes. Um, I've got a t-shirt here that I want to show off. Nicole's got a couple of announcements. I do. I do, I do. And then we're going to tell you about some great woodworkers and uh, uh, makers in our community. Yeah. And then we're going to answer tons of questions. Tons of woodworking questions. By the way, if you want your question on the show... Oh, you didn't thank the Patreons yet. I'm getting to it. I I was about to go into the whole Patreon thing. I got a a system, Nicole. Calm down, calm down. Sorry, I've been up since 6 o'clock. Yeah, I I I went to bed. I had an early morning poo. (laughs) That really got my attention. Well, it's so funny because I went to bed before you. (laughs) Yeah. And then when I woke up, you weren't there. I'm like, did he come to bed? That's just how I roll, baby. I'm in and out super quick. Uh, all right. So if you want your question, like, guaranteed on the show, uh, you can help us out over at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. Uh, any level, you'll be able to ask questions. No, no, no. $5 level. $5 level, you'll be able to ask questions. And I will take those questions, put them in a little uh, little uh, notepad here, and I will uh, read those. And Nicole will get the rest of the questions. So you don't have to support us no. to ask questions. You could just participate in the live chat, and Nicole can grab your question from there. And any level gets you access to the after show, which is more of this. Yeah, more of this garbage. More of this. Uh, and we want to thank folks who helped us out this week, specifically Fred, Robert Honies. Mark Spornum. I thought it was your name. I was like, why are you thinking It kind of does. It's Mark's, but it's it's most of my name. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Keith Johnson, another good content producer. Uh, and it's uh, very nice that Littleton Dental has just let me know that I'm overdue for a dental visit. I, I am overdue as well. It's because of a certain uh, pandemic. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens. It's all right. They're okay. getting a little yellow. So I've got a little, <laughs> little uh, coffee stain. A little coffee stain. It's all right. Um, so I got a T-shirt from an old friend, an old friend. old friend of the show, Bob Amarant. He says, thanks so much for the assist. Trying to grow my channel. If you could leave a link in your comment section to Bob's Woodshop Sign, I'd very much appreciate it. Can I tell, tell you how much I love Bob? He sent us in the early, early days. when This was when we early in, Wood Talk yeah, days. Yeah, well, it was. Because um, he, he also sent stuff to Matt, Vanderlist. Um, it was when we lived on 5311 mm-hmm, yep. in Arizona. Yep. And he would send us boxes of candy because <laughs> he worked at Mars at the time. Yeah, he would send gift boxes yep. that had like M&M's, peanut M&M's, Snickers, or all kinds of stuff. Let me just... So Bob's Woodshop. Bob's Home Woodshop? There's a it lot just of... says Bob's Woodshop. There's a lot of Bob's. Sign. sign. Okay. Like, like a sign. Gotcha. I'm just going to look up on YouTube. Yeah, look it up. Get that link. Put that in the... Uh... There's a lot of Bob's in the world, Bob. Yeah, a lot of Bob's that are woodworkers, too. Yeah. You ever see that guy on YouTube that measures with his his bob? Do you remember that? What's a bob? It's a unit of measurement. Okay. <laughs> Anyone who's seen that knows what I'm talking about, and it's it's not exactly. Speaking a of bobs, hey, friendly. do you like my quarantine haircut <laughs> that Mark did for me? That's right. I got uh, my haircut. I did most of it. You, I did you some of it. it off. It's a little it's a little jagged, but I don't care. It was getting so heavy. It it's was like starting to hurt my neck. It's like trying to trim a lion's mane, or like. What you would picture is like a wild horse with a beautiful mane down to the side, <laughs> but it's the thickest, coarsest hair that like the scissors. I'm like, ah, just cut it. Like, you know how people like how woodworkers are like, ah, I don't want to cut with that wood. It's going to dull my blades. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that like a hairdresser would be like, well, crap, now I got to sharpen these things find, again. I cannot find his channel. 
Um, I found this guy. I Oh, there he is. There he is. Found him. Yep, that's him. He's just under Bob. Yeah, that's not the name of his channel. But why? His name's Bob Amarant. But he calls it Bob's Woodshop That's Well, you can give it any title you All want, right, but right. the channel's name might be kind of stuck. I don't know, Bob. It says he's, he posted it three days ago. Okay. So this is his channel. Well, put the link in there. It's the link Bob, The link is what's going to help us here today. Yeah, his his channel is actually named Bob Arm... Arm... arm I always said Amarant. Amarant. Okay. I, I'll just put a link in the in the chat room. How about you do the link, Nicole? I'll <laughs> do the link. And let's I just let's, do the let's link. move on. <laughs> Bob's getting lots of airtime right, today. All right, all right, Bob. Uh, so I have a little announcement. It's only taking me. What? When was 2017? How many years ago? Was that three? Three years, years ago? ago, Nicole. Uh, three years. I've so, done the math. Um, I'm a little behind. So if you do not know, I dabble in app development. And so I had a Wood Whisperer app, and it's been a long time since I've updated. I finally updated it! Only the iOS one. I'm still trying to get Google to reinstate the Android one. You lost your privilege. I know. They were like, mm, this is a little out of date. Uh, there's nothing but porn and ads in this, so <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and take that out of the store. All right. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we move on? Uh, so I put that link in there, and then... Uh, I'll just mention, uh, I'm still making a face mask. I'm making, I have a wide variety of cool little prints, including a tool print. Uh, if you would like to pre-order, I did a, I have a set up as a pre-order on our main site. Mm -hmm. um, I make them pretty affordable. Uh, and I even start using chiffon as a lining. You love me some chiffon, Nicole. <laughs> so I've always said that. If you're like, when's Nicole going to get more masks in stock? Uh, you can go over to the link I put in the chat, uh, thewoodwhisper.com underneath store, and select custom. Yeah. And that's how you can order it. There you go. Okay, I'm going to actually do a question. Okay. Let's get into it. And uh, later on, again, we do have some, some uh, cool channels and stuff we want to tell you yeah. guys about. So first question is from Aaron Pena. He says, I uh, recently bought a house and we're completely redoing the kitchen. The cabinet doors have solid wood raised panels. So I decided to save, uh, save those, hoping that I can cut out the center panels and reuse them somehow. To do so, I'd like to get them down to raw wood. My initial thought is to just run them through my straight blade lunchbox planer to shave off the current finish. But I'm concerned that doing so will mess up the blades. What do you think? Do you have any other ideas other than individually sanding down each panel? I'd plane the crap out of those, dude. I mean, I know it might dull your knives depending on the kind of finish that was put on there. Uh, if it's some kind of really heavy-duty industrial-type finish, you, you certainly could dull your blades fairly quickly. Um, but I would consider it worthwhile. You know, that's one of the jobs that makes a planer great to have is just plow those things through there. So there's other ways, but if you got a lot of these things, you need something that's going to be quick, efficient, I think that's the way to go. I would use the planer, no doubt about it. Uh, let's see here. I mean, I'm addressing questions that usually come up that I don't necessarily want, but I'm bringing it up, so I might as well. Uh, somebody asked why we moved to Colorado. We have a blog post for that. We have an article for that. <laughs> so Funny you should ask. It's been a very frequently asked question. So Mark Well, back a, in the day. Yeah, we when we first moved. So uh, I put a link on why we moved to Denver. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Adrian said, if I send you chocolate candies, will you advertise my show? Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. You Look, know what? I, do, uh, I don't want to encourage people to send me food items. Mm -hmm. Mostly because I'm scared to eat food from strangers. <laughs> it's just a thing. I don't have that fear. She doesn't have that fear. <laughs> I do. It, it's a very rare occasion that I actually accept food from strangers. Yes. It's kind of weird. Your mom must have told you... Don't take candy from strangers. I don't know. It's like in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. When you grow yeah. growing up in the 80s, you would hear about like poisoning stories. Like that all turned out to like be lies and stuff like that. But um, I think it just got me paranoid yeah. at an early age that someone was tampering with my food. <laughs> Scared to death of it. <laughs> Alex says, wait, you guys moved to Denver? Nope. Nope. We're still in Arizona. <laughs> we just got a few more mountains and some more trees. Tommaso, uh, there is a custom. You got to do the little drop down. Boop. Drop down. Come on, Tommaso. Get with it. Cook the drop trail. So here's the follow-up question. Actually, the most appropriate question is, uh, why haven't you moved yet? It's been a full three years. I know, right? We were on the every three-year train. That's true. We got off that train because it stopped in Denver. It did stop in Denver. Okay, Luke Kearns has some questions. Uh, he says, number one, a few years ago you built the gadget station using a Green and Green Finger Joint Incorporations. Do you still have it? 
no, this is interesting though. Have you seen the video series? And I don't mean that sarcastically. The video series goes through the reason I'm making it, who it's for, where it's going, and then ends with me giving and gifting the item to a person, which happened to be Leo Laporte. Mm -hmm. uh, so the whole story is within that project series. So go check it out if you haven't There's seen it. There's even a video of us at Leo's, uh, at the time, it was the, the cottage. cottage. right? Yeah, the brick the cottage. The Twit Cottage. Uh -huh. And they've since upgraded to a whole studio, mm -hmm. uh, which it was cool. It was, honestly, I asked Mark to do it because I love Leo yeah. and grew up and he influenced my kind of tech journey yeah. a lot. I used so. to watch a lot of uh, screensavers. Screensavers, like tech TV. Okay, second part of the question. I have a detached garage, which is where I work on my projects. The temperature in the garage rarely matches the temperature inside my home, primarily because it doesn't have AC. When letting wood acclimate to the environment, should I allow wood to acclimate in my wood shop or in my home, which is where the furniture will be? Okay, so just a point of clarification. Temperature is not so much the issue. Uh, it's humidity that's going to be the issue. Uh, so if it's really hot but, uh, you know, in one place and cool in the other place, but the humidity is about the same, the wood is probably going to be fine. Uh, what winds up happening, though, is when we have big temp shifts, we also often have humidity shifts that come along for the ride. So that's why we tend to be concerned about it. Ideally, and this isn't always the case, if you, you know, if you test the two environments and the humidity is drastically different, <clears throat> maybe 10, 20% different, uh, you know, then you might consider doing something, which some people do. It's a little excessive, but you actually store the wood in the location where it's going to go. It's like when you have flooring put in. If you've ever done that, a lot of people are surprised that the flooring material arrives like a lot of times a couple weeks, well, ideally, let's say, a couple weeks before the installation because the wood has to sit in that environment and acclimate. So if you have the ability to store some boards under a couch, under a bed, mm -hmm. something like that, keep it in the house, um, let it acclimate there and then bring it out to the shop to work on it and build with, you know, that's kind of, it might be a little bit nitpicky, but that's definitely something you could do if you thought that there was a, a drastic enough difference. So speaking, da, 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 da. Uh, <laughs> our, our son lost his teeth, his front teeth. I, I can't imagine anyone's going to get the reference. If someone does. Unless you watch Teen Titans Go, you get the reference. Yeah, I was going to do a giveaway, but you ruined oh, it sorry. by saying what it was. Well, sorry. You need to read my mind better. All right. So a few weeks ago, we got a question. I can't remember if it was on the main channel or on the after show. Or the, the main show or the after show. But they, since we're talking about other woodworkers, it fits perfectly, uh, we wanted to revisit the question, which was, do you know any other per, uh, people of color channels? So we started. We did a I terrible started, job answering that terrible, question. We did a terrible, terrible job answering that. Because I think someone said, um, oh, what the heck is the guy's name? Uh, more, more DIY creators, mm -hmm. right? Mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Dang it. He was at um, WorkbenchCon too. Mm -hmm. But we did a terrible job we did. answering the so question. So we're revisiting that today. Uh, I, I did a bit of sleuthing. Yeah, you were busy. I was very busy She's sending me links. Look, check this guy out. Oh, this is awesome. Oh my God, look at what this girl's doing. I'm like, uh, Nicole. I'm working here. I'm trying to get some work done. <laughs> By work, I mean, I'm trying to watch Star Trek. Leave me alone. So, uh, we have a few Instagrammers, actually a lot of Instagrammers, um, and then we found three. There's actually more, but the one we're gonna, the ones we're gonna highlight right now are we have Daryl, Daryl Jones, who's a wood turner. Yep, I follow Daryl on Facebook, and uh, Daryl is going to be the proud owner yeah. of my camera. Funny thing was, it's totally it has nothing to do with woodworking. It yeah, it does. It has yeah. to do with his videos. Yeah, we had messaged. Um, like a couple years ago when I was selling a camera and uh, Braxton uh, took the camera. He got it first and Daryl was interested. So I went to ask Daryl, do you mind if we feature you on the show or, or mention your name on the show? Um, and I went to see, you know how the old chat pops up and mm -hmm. you see what the last thing was? And I was like, oh, this is funny. I happen to actually have another camera <laughs> available that's for sale right now. So before I even told anyone else about it, I was like, dude, I know you were looking for a camera before, but are you still interested? Yeah. It's like, heck yeah. Yeah. So in all of this, I got to get, uh, and, get a new home for my old camera. And he's doing a little bit of barter, and I get a bowl out of it. Mm -hmm. So uh, check out his channel. I put it in the, the, the chat room. It's uh, Dreadnought Woodwork. Is it Woodworks or Woodworking? Wood, Woodshop. Woodshop. <laughs> Dreadnought Woodshop. So you can find them easily on YouTube. I also spoke with... And people also ask us a lot about turners. Yeah. Right? And I don't always have a good recommendation for a turner. Mm -hmm. um, and Daryl definitely does he some made, good turners. I love that snowman he made. It's cute. So he has he has a lot of videos. He also has an Instagram account. So cute. So cute. 
<laughs> uh, there's also Sean the Maker. He's relatively new to, to YouTube. He's only got, what, like 12 videos or yeah, so? Yeah, something like that. He only has 275 subscribers, mm -hmm. but he makes he's making some beautiful cutter, cutting boards, outdoor tables. So check out Sean the Maker as well. I like his style. I was watching one of his videos, and he's like, it does text on the screen, so not a mm -hmm. lot of talking. <laughs> he's like, uh, wear a mask when you work with wood. Um, not because of the coronavirus, because of the wood virus. Exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> It just made me chuckle. Uh, and then finally, someone you met at uh, WorkbenchCon. I don't mean And I absolutely loved her stickers. Uh, and it, that is Ashley. Mm -hmm. And uh, she has a channel called Handmade with Ashley, also an Instagram account. Super geeky. I've already reached out to her and I said, do you take commissions? Because I really would love to get a Princess Peach. Oh Ava is going to flip Ava out. Ava would flip. I can't find anything Princess Peach. <laughs> I find everything Mario. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I also asked her if she could maybe make me a 8-bit Fallout character. So, nice. Uh, Ashley, check your Instagram <laughs> messages. Go check your Instagram. Nicole so, wants to buy something. I know, uh, which I did quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I, she was great. She was super nice. So, yeah. So, I'm going to put all these links in the chat room. Uh, we'll also have them in the show notes. And just from, from an Instagram perspective, we have a lot of Instagram it's a ton. woodworkers. Yeah. So I'll mention a few. There's uh, DNS Craftworks. Mm -hmm. uh, they're a husband and wife team. Oh, I saw their stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're cool. Uh, Jay, uh, his is Woodlife112. He has an amazing Etsy store. And I picked up a few things from him, too. Uh, TJ and Eve, they're a husband and wife team, and they work at Tazboard. I really had a fun conversation with him because he told me he learned how to make cutting board from your cutting board video. Nice. Which I was like, what? That's, that's crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, there's Lauren. She's over at Rasp File Designs. Okay. She lives in D.C. Uh, had a really nice conversation with her, too. Uh, and then there's XX44 Woodworks. I love his Instagram page mm -hmm. because he does that cool thing where you have multiple pictures, and when you look at the profile. Oh, when you go to their profile, oh, it, it makes an um, actual image out of multiple Absolutely images. Absolutely beautiful. That's a lot of work. I know, but it's... I. How's that working for you? I think it Is that working cool. out? Is that doing a thing? I like it. <laughs> it looks great, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alan, uh, Alan go to, is it go to? Or, no, Alan got wood. Alan okay. got wood is his Instagram. Alan does got wood. I like his Instagram because he has a bulldog. <laughs> and he, he has great work, woodworking. Yeah. A lot of his woodworking. I just followed his, him, so, so. I, I want to see more of that bulldog. That's what people say to me. <laughs> and Screw it's the a, woodworking. <laughs> show me more of the dog. It's a female bu bulldog. I'm like... Dougie. Dougie might be interested. <laughs> and then finally, Dunn's Woods, who also, he specializes in palette and reclaimed projects. Lots okay. of good projects on his Instagram. Cool. Again, I'll put all these links in the, the show notes. Um, I so, can tell you, honestly, if people ask me about this all the time. Yeah. Who, who do you watch? And it's like, I, I just don't. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with not liking the content that's out there. It's mostly about time. And mm -hmm. when I spend my spare time, I tend to do other things that I find, you know, my other hobbies, if you will. It's basically um, me going, oh, look at this. <laughs> look uh, at this, this. This in particular was an important question that we yeah. dropped the ball on and wanted to make good on. Um, but I do think... Ideally, we should be able to do this for the general community yeah. at large if we find cool stuff to share it with you guys. And we just, it's just something with, you know, busy parents, two kids, business to run. I will take it We're on. We're not always watching the stuff. Weekly, how about we make it just a weekly se segment of highlighting somebody yeah. in the community? Just one or two. Yeah. We don't need to do one, a whole bunch. One or two. I like that idea. All right, so let's get to some uh, questions here. Sebastian Marchand says, YouTube has a Patreon-like feature, Patreon-like feature, to encourage creators if you consider enabling the membership feature on your channel. He goes on to talk about it a little bit. We did want to mention that this is something we're looking into if you guys are interested in that. It would basically be a parallel or, uh, you know, very comparable to Patreon. We don't want to do something where there's too many unique things on one side. Try, you know, that might encourage someone to do both. We'd rather people just you pick one. It's fine. Um, so we will be doing something. Nicole has to look into it, see what's involved, and make sure we get it set up so that it is fair and comparable to what we do on Patreon. But I agree, having having the support system built into the platform we're actually using mm -hmm. to broadcast kind of makes a lot of sense. And I know these days Patreon is not everyone's favorite <laughs> just because of yeah. some decisions they made in the past. Uh, we've gotten a lot of contact where people are like, can you do something other than Patreon? Right. So 
you know, you can't make everybody happy, but we'll uh, we'll certainly try. If you guys think that's a good option, we will uh, we'll, we'll enable that, and uh, no obligation as always. Okay, next question. Right. Kevin Windsor. I really like this question. Uh, he says, "I read that Sam Malouf paid attention to details on all parts of a project, whether they showed or not. It appears you follow that philosophy. That's uh, an assumption on my part. Yeah. Where do you draw the line? <clears throat> kind of depends on the day, uh, Kevin. I like this concept though." Um, someone, we were talking about glue. I did a post on glue uh, on Instagram. And um, the, the gentleman had responded that using like a dark colored glue on walnut, he's like, it's just kind of overthinking it. Um, if you have a nice tight joint, use whatever glue you want, it'll be fine. Um, but his, his sort of argument was that it's overthinking it. And it made me, you know, I didn't mean to like be mean to the guy or anything, but I responded like, well, hold on a second. Isn't all of fine woodworking an exercise in overthinking? It, we're overthinking everything. We overthink the, the tightness of a joint. We overthink grain direction. You know, that's the beauty of it. That's the art of it. Like, that's the whole point is to, to overthink this stuff. So when you're talking about a joint or a, a piece or a component that's going to be hidden and never seen and spending lots of time perfecting <laughs> it, is that a waste of time? In some people's eyes, it definitely could be. Um, I don't think it is, though. I think uh, spending that time is what puts that pride of craftsmanship in there. And I think over time, as a woodworker, you keep raising that bar, and then eventually you find yourself, you know, lightly sanding the cheek of a tenon because you just want it to look pretty when it goes into its home and is never seen again. Um, But where I draw the line kind of depends. It depends on how much of a rush I'm in. Uh, For instance, right now, uh, my mom is moving. In her kitchen, we're painting the kitchen cabinets. This is a big job, Mm -hmm. and it needs to get done. It needs to get done before she moves all of her stuff in. I'm working on a bed for her right now. So when I'm sanding the rails, and I know there's an inside edge of one of the rails that will never be seen by anyone, ever. Um, Instead of sanding to like 180, maybe I'll stop at 150. (laughs) So it still looks clean. It still looks good. But I'm not taking it to that final level that are going to take the outside exposed surfaces. So there are times where I will take um, a practicality shortcut because I think it's necessary to move faster, right? So I think everybody draws the line here. And it would be interesting to kind of go around the room and see at what point people say, you know what, that's a little too much, you know. But then they'll spend two hours adjusting their fence because it's a thousandth off on their table saw. Everybody's got a line to draw somewhere. Okie dokie. Jeff Barry says, I was wondering if you have ever felt overwhelmed in the shop to the point that you spend most of your time standing around looking at stuff instead of working on projects. I have so many projects between shop projects, house projects, and just fun projects. I don't know where to start. Have you ever felt like this? And uh, how'd you get past it? Funny thing was last week, I believe it was on Friday, I made a post that said, well, today's uh, the day when I do my weekly walk around the shop acting like I'm doing something. <laughs> because it, that usually on a Friday after this show, it's weird because I don't want to, sometimes I don't want to get too hardcore into making dust because the day is already half done. And it's just, it's a weird um, limbo day for me. It's kind of like how when you Excuse were me. a hobbyist and then you moved, like when we moved to Arizona and you went into woodworking full time. I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, you were like, uh... Because you were so used to it being a hobby. Yeah. But when you get into more of a professional mindset, any second, any minute you have extra is utilized to get something done. Right, right. right. It's a different mindset. Um, and I kind of escape between both worlds of some, you know, semi-pro, but also still thinking like a hobbyist in a lot of cases. Um, so, you know, how do you get through it? Uh, sometimes getting organized, prioritizing you know, you could do prioritization. You know, you don't have to do it in your, in your head just walking around. Get a piece of paper. Write it down. Write the list of projects that you have to do. Prioritize them. And then once you have a priority, then you ignore all the stuff that is not your current priority. You just got to get it off your brain. Putting it on paper allows you to take it off of your brain. Get it off your shoulders. Put it on paper. Put it aside. You'll get to it when the time allows. We have a kid messing with the door. I'm not sure what's going on. (laughs) I'm like, I hear it. I'm like... She's holding the door down. Oh, oh, okay. So, yeah, when the time is there, that's when you get to it. But sometimes that exercise of writing it down and prioritizing is really helpful to help you focus. There... So, when... Come on, kids. (laughs) When I used to be... I used to work as a secretary, and they sent me to a class, a Franklin Covey class. Yeah. Uh, seven habits of highly effective people, mm-hmm. and one of the things that they kind of in that class 
you make a list of everything that you need to do. Synergize. And then, <laughs> and then you and then you label like the importance of it mm-hmm. and trying to because sometimes it's just a matter of getting going. Yeah. And it can be the the easiest thing that's that starts the ball rolling. Yep. So it was it's if you've never read a, a, a what is it? Stephen Covey book. Um, I mean, it's very businessy, but it's yeah. still... No, it's good for organization and getting yeah. your, your head on straight. I know when we finish up a project and then I go, I don't know what to do next, right? right? I've got this, 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 and I'm not sure which to do. We usually sit down, we print out a Google, a blank Google calendar, yeah. and we look at the timeline and lay out each week. Now, things may not just take a week to complete, but you start laying them out and then you can actually wrap your brain around it in smaller chunks. Mm-hmm. So definitely... Paper or virtual paper. We've gotten a, a few super chats as we've been bantering. Chit-chit-chatting. Uh, OJ, he has a very long uh, jumbled <laughs> name. I would just call him OJ. OJ. OJ Letterman. Um, OJ Letterman. Uh, I refuse to support you. Good. Just to ask a question. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> you spent $5 to let us know that. The irony yes, is, is I, strong with I this lo- one. I, I love the cheekiness. Uh, Kevin <laughs> Windsor says, I can't find the drop down. I'll take t- take a tool mask. What? You can't what? find the drop down. What's wrong with you guys? Now I got to go look at my list. Find a drop down. Now. It's right there. You, you'll, you'll know it's there when you see the drop down. <laughs> It'll drop down when you click it. All right. All right. Can I answer a question while you're troubleshooting? I'm troubleshooting. Corey Pelton says, I've become obsessed with shop layout and space workflow efficiency in the last several months as the work from home situation has given me a small bit of extra time in the shop. I've ganged together my table saw, bandsaw, and MFT table in the center, which opened up quite a bit of space. I've eliminated my standalone router table and added the saw stop inline table, which has been great. Uh, What are some of your shop layout and efficiency pointers? I really, I, this is something that like I should probably think about a little bit before I answer, but I, I'm reading this for the first time right now. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, uh, you know, I love I, the thinking on your feet. Yeah. I organize, it, you know, try to keep a couple things in mind. Number one is the concept of work triangles. I don't really care if it's shaped like a triangle, but the clustering of tools that could either have shared spaces, like outfeed tables, you're already doing this with the router table. Um, Uh, and having these clustered tools that make sense to be near one another, right? So if you have a workflow that tends to include um, maybe chop saw first, because that's the rough cutting that you're going to do, then you take it from the chop saw to the jointer, from the jointer to the planer, from the planer to the table saw, possibly, you know, planer to the drum sander. You think of that workflow and think about moving wood around your shop. And you really just want it to be the path of least resistance. You want to make sure it's in a sensible direction. So you go from one station to the next station to the next station as you move around. So that's usually one of the concepts I try to employ, clustering tools together where it makes sense in the center of the shop. Uh, Other things I usually recommend, if you have a chop saw and lumber storage, those should always be near your entrance. Because a lot of times you bring raw materials in, they go up on a rack, Once they come down off the rack, the saw should be right there because that's almost always the first thing you're going to do. Take it down, put it on the saw, make a cut. Now it goes back into the regular part of the workflow. And being near the entrance means it's very easy to get materials into the shop and into the storage. So now that's what I've got. I've got my uh, door right there. Wood storage is literally right on that wall, that little, you know, 18-inch section that's, you know, behind a a garage door. Uh, That's all for wood storage. And then just to the right is my chop saw. So you don't always get these things ideal, but if you keep that in mind, it tends to help. And there's a, there's so much more we can get into with this, but again, just on short notice, it's the best I can do. Uh, they're right. My product's out of stock, and I don't know why. I'm fixing it. Oh, Nicole. It was working. You don't know Somebody WooCommerce. Had, someone just ordered one for from yeah. me, so uh, she's, I'll, fig- she's I'll a noob. figure it out. And Kevin, I'll get you some masks. Okay. Uh, I got do you another- want to apologize to Tommaso now? I'm sorry, Tommaso. <laughs> Okay. Did you have something you needed to do? Oh, more um, Yeah, super I, got, chats. I got some more super chats. Uh, let's see. David Hunter, I don't do Patreon. Here's an equivalent for this month. Cheers. Well, thanks, David. That's exactly what I was saying. Right. Thank you, David. Some people just don't want to do Patreon. Yeah. Uh, Jason Spenny, thank you for Mateo and Ava from my Sam and Alice. Aww, oh, that's cute. Oh, that's so cute. They're virtual friends. They're virtual friends. 
Did they play Roblox or Fortnite? Or or Animal Crossing. Or Animal Crossing. So let's, my let's, son uh, let's hook him up. loves to show off his his Animal Crossing town. He yeah. was he was like showing it to me. He's like, I'm so excited, and he's like showing me his little. It's because he went to my island and stole all my crap. <laughs> he's double. He's we have two switches because you know parents need a game too. Yeah. Uh, and he's like got both of them in his lap, and he's like, Dad, I'm taking all your stuff. I was like, You haven't played it. I, that's fine. I played it for five days. Yeah. Did pretty good for five days. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, this is stupid. What am I doing? Oh, it's cute. It's cute. <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, Forky 4A. Um, oh, hold on. I got to oh, answer sorry. this really important question. Um, why is Mark digging his fingers? Yeah. I have a callus. Oh, yeah, you do. And it's the same callus in the same spot from... Um, oh, your weights? Yeah, 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 those things. And it, I, it drives me nuts, guys. There's a callus, and I just and the problem is if I really do like rip it off, mm-hmm. it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt like heck. So that, I'm sorry. I'll stop fidgeting. I can get you some. I'll of the, stop. I can get you baby feet for your hands. No, the calluses are there for a reason. <laughs> they're doing. They're serving a purpose. So anyway, Forky Four A says, "Hi, Mark. I don't have the space for a table saw. What tool should I replace with it? Love the work you do. Oh well, what do you have the space yeah. for? Uh, you can do a lot of replacement tasks." that you would do on a table saw, especially if we're talking about sheet goods, you could do that with a track saw or a circular saw with an edge guide. You don't necessarily you know, need the table saw. Lots of people do that. Lots of people, not, you know, price is gonna be an issue, but a lot of people will try to use like a multifunction table setup with a circular saw uh, and try to use that as a replacement for the table saw. Um, but here's another suggestion. It might not be that obvious. How about a bandsaw? There are a lot of people who use a bandsaw as a table saw replacement. It's a much safer alternative. Um, I've got a new Lennox TriMaster blade on my PM1500. That thing cuts like a table saw. Mm-hmm. Like the, the cut on that is like nothing you've ever seen on a bandsaw before, other than maybe I've seen it on the uh, Laguna's Resaw King. So those carbide tip blades, amazing. So if you're looking for you know kind of a replacement like that, uh, footprint is a little bit smaller. You're looking at like an upright tool like this. Get a good quality blade. You can do quite a bit with a bandsaw. Uh, I also, I came across a channel, um, William Douglas uh, Co. He's in Phoenix and he has a 200 foot square, square foot shop. Teeny tiny square foot. That's small. But he has some amazing like hacks on how he manages his tools. I mean, he has full-size Some people get some, some clever things going on. So I'm going to put a link to his shop tour video because he goes over how he works in a 200-square-foot shop. Mm-hmm. It's And he has a really cool channel. It's like documentary style on how he does his videos. Yeah. They're really well done. Um, 4K, baby, because that's yeah. what you need on a little screen. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going to share the, the shop tour video because I was, I was really impressed by that um, shop space and how he addressed wheeling his tools out and stuff I'm like getting that. suggestions to use a block plane on the callus. <laughs> like, a, like a meat slicer, oh, a deli no, meat slicer. don't do it. <laughs> I have actually like, it's like a cheese grater. Oh, I can't believe I would talk about it. But it's like. For it, your feet? For like your, your heels? <laughs> you're like. Okay. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you, Nicole. Okay, Richard Abbott says. I got an old PM66 table saw earlier this year uh, with that extra time off lately. Uh, Let's see. He's been using it more. He says, I discovered that the saw was made (laughs) pre-safety and I've cut my hands multiple times changing the blade on it since there's no blade lock. That was a funny thing. When the PM2000 came out and they just came out with that little blade lock system to, you know, lock it up so you can change the blade easily, it was like a revolution. (laughs) It was amazing. Um... So anyway, he's asking about that. He says, the manual says to just wedge a block into the wood, or wedge a block of wood into the blade. I was thinking of getting some kind of a Kevlar glove, but all the ones I found on Amazon are either made for the kitchen, might not help much, or look like they're made of chain mail. Any thoughts? Yeah, don't get a glove. That's just, that's changing your blade. You need to make it quick. You might, see the thing is when I change a blade, I sometimes get some scratches on the back of my hand because I'm hitting the you know cast iron that surrounds the blade. But you shouldn't really have any problems with the blade itself if you're doing this right. I had a PM66. It's not that big of a deal. Sometimes all you need is a little piece of dowel, um, depending on the the size of the blade and the gullets. You could just get a little dowel piece or even a chunk of wood. I used to keep a a dowel and like a a piece of scrap 2x4 and just push that into the front of the blade and then tighten it up like that. That's all you need to do. Um, if you're getting your hands scratched while you're working in there, that's just that's just woodworking, man. Don't worry about 
Kevlar gloves or anything like that, but just do what they recommend. It's, it truly is the easiest, simplest method. Just get a piece of wood, push it in there, tighten it up. Uh, and by the way, you don't have to, you know, manhandle these things. You just tighten it so it's nice and snug. If you have to pull on it, like, you're doing you're doing yourself a disservice there because you're going to have to put that equal amount of pressure, probably more, to get that thing off. You don't so you don't really need to muscle it down. So just get it nice and snug, throw that little block to the side and you're done. So I, w- I wouldn't Speaking of overthinking things in woodworking, I wouldn't overthink it too much. He's like the overthinker of everything. I'm very selective <laughs> in what I choose to overthink. Uh, uh, K.O. wants to know, how many t-shirts do you own? A lot. A lot. I don't know I don't know a number, but here's the other thing. We actually cycle the t-shirts mm-hmm. out. We often will retire t-shirts, yeah. and Nicole either now make them into will a make a quilt or we would donate them. Um, by the time it's just, sometimes I just don't feel like I've worn it so many times. It's still a good shirt, but I'm sick of it. Yeah, I've just seen it too many times. I've worn it on the show too many times, um, but I got a lot of t-shirts. Uh, Joshua Pitten, Pitten uh, Draw, Digger. I don't know. I'm sorry, Joshua. <laughs> what? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. So his name is Pit, Pitten Dry? Maybe. Pit and, pit and draw digger. I'm sure you're enjoying this, Joshua. Um, I'm sure he's never he heard it said, pronounced that he way. He just said, thank you. Thanks for being you. Always <laughs> enjoy this show. Thank you, Mr. Pit and Draw Digger. Appreciate it. This coffee's for you. <laughs> this coffee's for you. All right. Uh, Ken Coyle? No, MMG is next. How do the Spagnolos sharpen kitchen knives? Sending my fancy knives that we use... Every day, back to the factory for sharpening is a little bit of a hassle, and the wife would kill me if I screwed up trying to sharpen them freehand with a stone. Thanks. Thankfully, no one in this family, I mean, my mom is picky with her knives. She's living with us for a little bit now, so she's, she's very picky about the she's knives. She's very particular. But I'm I like, say picky, particular. I'm like, Mom, mind your own business. Those are my knives, and if I want to screw up the edge, I'll screw up the edge. If I put them in the dishwasher, I will put them in the dishwasher. Yeah. And I, I sharpened one of them, Yeah. and she wound up using it later, and she goes, you need to warn me. She's, she was used to it being dull, dull, and then it was sharp, and she put the amount of pressure she thought she would need. Anyway, communication is key, folks. Yeah. So I've done a couple things over the years. I bought one of those Ken Onion sharpeners. It's a belt sharpener oh, yeah, yeah, system. Yeah. We, we you talked know, about it on the show. Yeah, you know, we talked about that. It okay. works pretty well. It's just the system though, right? Sometimes I don't want to get all up in it and make it a big event. So I have one of those dual-sided diamond plate sharpeners. It actually looks like a switchblade knife. You take the cover off and then one side is blue, one side is red. And one of the most effective ways I find to sharpen it is to simply hold the blade, grab this little stick, this little diamond sharpener on a stick, and find the bevel and follow it like that. All right, so I think people who are able to sharpen flat on a, a, you know, a stone, there's a lot of nuance there. And what I find is if I can get the stroke right on one side for the push, when I have to reverse it and come back for the pull or to do the other side of the bevel, that's where I screw up. The muscle memory just isn't there. And every dang knife is different, right? So some people get really good at it. I'm not one of those people. So for me, by holding the blade up like this, taking the sharpening medium in one hand, I could find that bevel and I could do curves, I could do whatever I need to do. And I find that that's pretty good to freshen up the edge. And then once in a while, if you find a person, like sometimes they have mobile sharpening places or you go to a, um, uh, what do you call it? Not a flea market, a farmer's market. Farmer's market. Sometimes you'll find people, I've I've seen this at a farmer's market that actually do sharpening on site. And Mm -hmm. you could just take a bunch of knives over there and they'll sharpen them up for you. So get them done professionally once in a while, maybe to kind of reset it and get it back to like perfection. And then your maintenance can take you, you know, years before you need to do it again. Okay. Okay. Uh, ben Ackerberg says, there's only one, only room for one super weird name in here. That's right. <laughs> ben Acton-Borg-Jorg-Sin-Myth. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, Brian Booth just did a super chat. He said, rough week in the world, but I really appreciate everyone here. And True that, this my community. friend. Uh, first, go at Piped dust collection system this oh, good. weekend. You will enjoy it. Well, depending on what kind of pipe you bought, you might hate life this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, some of it can be better than others. Okay, uh, I got one from Ken Coyle. Hey. It was very confusing as I read it because I didn't realize he was setting up a, a word joke, Nicole. Ah, oh, yes. He says, I'm preparing to die. This will be my first time dying, so I have questions. What will happen after I die? Will my wife be sad or will she be happy about my dying? Here are the details. 
I'm building my wife a blanket ladder with Sapelli uprights, red oak rungs. My wife would like the ladder to match the rest of our living room, which is primarily dark walnut veneer. I'm planning to use transtint dark walnut dye in order to dye the wood. If I apply the same dye mixture to both the Sapelli and the red oak, will they retain their contrasting complementary colors, or will both darken to the point where they look like the same wood with different grain patterns? I want them both darker, but not the same. I'm going to say, first of all, I haven't done it, so I can't say for sure, but I'm going to uh, make an educated edgemaguess. Edgemaguess. And that edgemaguess says that they are going to look different. You can't start with a wood that's as light as red oak and a wood that's as you know, deep red as Sapelli. You can hit it with any color stain, and you're going to find that the, the Sapelli is going to have a richer, deeper color than the oak. The oak is going to look pretty much a faithful dark brown, close to the, the dye's color. The Sapelli is going to have those red undertones. So I do think they will be visibly different if that's the look you're going for and you like it, but you got to test this. you got to test this. Sounds like your wife doesn't want you to die necessarily, but she does want you to die, if that makes sense. You get it? <laughs> yes, I got it. So uh, I would test it and see if you can get the approval of the design committee. Uh, committee. <laughs> the design committee. Make sure that she's on board and, uh, and then get her um, approval and then move forward. Because you just got to test it and make sure... Um, dyeing different colored woods. You just never know what it's going to do, but they will look different. Got a super chat from the Wood Lab, our friend Jim. What's up, Jim? Hey, guys. Been a few weeks since catching this live. Jim's been uh, busy with Ian making face shields. Yes. he's. I'm. Every time I see his post, I'm like, mm -hmm. I need to start making more masks. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. <laughs> he's doing some awesome I'll tell you, work. numbers are improving, my mom said, in, in the East Coast. That's good. I, I mean, that's always good, but still apprehensive mm -hmm. with all the activity yep. recently. Let's just hope everything dies down. Yep. And that was a poor choice of words. Yeah. Uh, okay, Matt Roberson says, let's talk thermally modifying. Have you had any chance to try out that North American eBay? <laughs> Have your local guys gotten in any more interesting North American exotics? I can't tell you that, Matt, because I haven't been to Austin Hardwoods in like four months. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Three months. Three months. Been a long time. I send Jay. Jay's like the sacrificial lamb. Stop it. <laughs> like a, you go get it. No, seriously, I was sending Jay before this. Yeah. Um, he's good at picking wood. He is. Um, so I don't know. Good at hauling wood. Hauling wood. That's right. That's what I used to do. Go haul some wood. Go haul the wood. <laughs> now go. It's cold. Go get the wood. Go get the metal wheelbarrow that'll stick to your Daddy, head. I'm watching Heat Haul. <laughs> I don't care. Go get the wood. All right. All right. <laughs> I love how you, how you interpret my upbringing. Go rotate the satellite. <laughs> Sorry. It's true, we did have one of those massive satellites. I didn't have to rotate. You would, I mean, yeah. go, go turn the satellite and, get, and go haul some wood. Get out of here. Okay, so what were we talking about? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they have a better selection yet or how popular those things have gotten. I still have the boards that they sent me. Uh, to be honest, the big green egg table, I was really hoping to use thermally modified for that stuff. And because uh, the pandemic hit, I wasn't able to go get more. I just didn't have enough. So that's why I built it out of a, a, a wood that I had in stock that I had enough material for. So um, I haven't gotten into it much, but I want to. Uh, we got John Bryan who just did a super chat. He is officially requesting good buddy status. Well, for 10 bucks, John, you got it, dude. My good buddy, John. John Bryant. <laughs> and then Ben Bodner uh, did a super chat. Happy Friday from your favorite podiatrist. <laughs> nice. Good old foot doctor. Oh, I, yeah. You know what they used to call him in, in college, right? What? Uh, ben Bunyan's Bodner. <laughs> ben Bunyan's Bodner. <laughs> That's what they used to call him. This is his nickname. So there, there's, this, <laughs> there's this product called Baby Feet that uh, you can put on your feet and then like a week later your whole... Your feet shrink up they, and look no, like a uh, ancient uh, Chinese woman's no, feet. No, they, they... Where they used to bind their feet. No, 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 no. Sorry. You, you were commenting on how gnarly my feet were looking because yeah, yeah. they were in the process of peeling because it's like this whole peeling thing that happens and then they make your feet baby smooth and yeah. they, it works and especially if you can't get to a salon to get a pedicure or anything like that uh but you were like what in the world is going on with your feet your feet were a mess Nicole. they were but it's part of they the were process. a damn ashy mess they're they're better now okay so yeah, but if you're looking for a solution for that, uh, you know, cracked heels and stuff like that, check out Baby Feet. <laughs> that's, ben. that's a good recommendation. There you go, Ben. <laughs> there you go, Ben. Fix your feet, dude. <laughs> uh, okay, Jason Stoffel says, what's, what's the deal 
with Rattlecan polyurethane. The directions on my spar urethane spray tell me to recoat within an hour and a half or wait 72 hours. But the gallon can says to wait four hours, sand lightly, and recoat. What? Okay. I wanted to lay down a few coats of rattle can gloss and then finish with satin. Can I put down three coats of rattle can and then use my HVLP satin for the... I don't know, man. The, sometimes instructions on finish cans drive me crazy because they don't always work with the way that I think of finish, uh, you know, behaving. Sometimes with polyurethane, there's a recoat window like that where if it's still kind of a little bit tacky, you throw on that next coat and then it binds a little bit better. Um, but then they're telling you to wait 72 hours and then you could recoat again. Generally speaking, with any finish, with the exception of something like people who are doing a CPES epoxy and then putting a finish on top of that, there's a, a point where you want to actually bind the finish to the uncured epoxy, right? It's part of the strategy. When it comes to poly, I like to let my finish layers cure, not completely cure. I like to let them dry. So usually about 24 hours, then it gets a light sanding, and then I reapply the next coat. So I don't want to overrule instructions, right? So if you have instructions, follow the instructions. If it says, you know, within the hour and a half window, you could recoat. And if you miss that window, then you go to 72 hours, then do what they say. Um, but usually what I like to do is let a coat dry uh, because a lot of times if you are layering uncured finish on top of uncured finish, you're blocking the oxygen access and it can sometimes lead to problems and stickiness. Um, I never want to put a finish on top of a finish that isn't cured yet. It can be really problematic. But again, I don't want to override specific instructions. If that's what the manufacturer says to do, try to follow as closely to what they say to do. But if you're going to ask my advice, I'm going to go in a different direction than them. Okay. Okay. I got, geez, questions today, man. We have lots of questions. And lots of I'm going to, I'm going to answer these quickly. Brian Thorpe, if you're going to put a quarter-inch thick aromatic cedar in the bottom of a blanket chest, how do you attach it? You don't have to attach it at all. You could just drop it in. If you uh, want to do something a little more permanent, you could certainly use glue. Uh, if you want to do semi-permanent, then you could use something like hot glue. But the bottom line is you're just dropping it into the bottom and you're putting stuff on top of it. So it doesn't really go anywhere. You could always just have it as a drop-in panel. Devin Perkins, I'm going to use the free guild step stool as my first foray into dovetails. I don't have any stock thicker than four-quarter. And, okay, so he's asking, should I laminate it um, together to get a thicker thickness? If it's in front of me, I'm going to play with it. I know, that's why I'm taking it. I'm taking Good it. Good thing you're not in front of me because I would be flipping you around. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, so, yeah, you can laminate the stock. I just don't know that I would want you to do that. See, when you cut those dovetails on that step stool, which, by the way, free step stool project. If you guys didn't hear about this a few weeks ago in the guild, free project. It's on the free project tier along with the picture frames. Costs you nothing. If you're already a member, just add it to your cart. You got it in your collection. If you're not a member and you just want to try it out, no credit card required. Mm -hmm. You just go in, get the project, you get to see what the guild's like. It's called dovetailed step stools. Uh, so when you have exposed dovetails, you see the ends. And if you do a lamination, you're going to see the glue line between there. So when those dovetails, the end grain peeks out, it's not going to look that good. So I would say if you only have four quarter, just go with the four quarter until you can get a hold of some thicker stock. I would not want, structurally it would be fine. Visually is what I'm having a problem with. So there's that. Uh, air Weaver balloons. I'm very curious about what Air Weaver balloons does. Are they like- Big air balloons. Balloon animals or balloon I'm thinking arches? like flying balloons. Maybe? Yeah, hot air balloons. You know there's like a balloon design competition too? Anyway. Uh, Airweaver Balloons wants to know, I finally have something to offer. I'll post a PM66 blade change mm -hmm. video in the guild group. No lock, no holding blades, no using wood to jam the blade. Okay. So he has a video of it. So I, I'm, I'm going to click on it. Can That's going to be very helpful. Yeah. I'm curious what uh, he or she does. Yeah. I see. I think I, it's a bunch of balloons. No, I'm curious about the table <laughs> salt issue. I'm really not that curious about the balloons, Nicole. <laughs> I'm sure it's a great uh, thing. Scott Riker. Is it Riker? Yeah. Rik Rik sure. Sure. Uh, my new Laguna 14, <clears throat> is that 14 inch BX? I think it's the, the model number. Okay. Uh, looking to resaw a lot of 8 by 12 inch boards. Blade suggestions. I was thinking Resaw King or TriMaster with. Supposed to take three and a quarter, mm -hmm. but I've heard never go over one half. Why? I wouldn't go half any more than a half either. With a 14. With a 14 inch saw, certainly. I've got a PM1500 and a TriMaster blade with a half inch blade. Uh, way back when, learning from David Marks, he swears by a half inch resaw blade. And he's got a big bandsaw. 
um, the bottom line to him is that it's less meat, right? There's less blade, Mm -hmm. less friction. Ultimately, the blade doesn't need to be really wide to make a successful resaw. And a thinner blade has less friction and just moves through the wood a little bit easier, supposedly. Um, And I've, I've followed that advice and it kind of has worked for me. I've gone with thicker blades when I had a bandsaw that would, or wider blades. Uh, when I had a bandsaw that could take it, but I haven't really seen a great benefit to it. So I am just perfectly fine with my max width blade being half inch. And I, like I said before in the show, earlier in the show, that TriMaster blade is a winner so far. I'm really enjoying using it. It cuts like a hot knife through Buddha. Buddha. Evan Mulden says, I'm about to give a quote for a job to furnish a, new, uh, a nursing home. 90 pieces at first and then 300 ultimately. Did you ever take on a similarly large order? And if so, was it worth the endeavor? How'd you avoid burnout? What'd you learn from the experience? Well, the first thing I learned was I didn't want to do it again. That was, that was uh, remember the bookstore? Oh, yeah. So honestly, Ooh. man, nothing even on the level of what you're talking about. You need a partner. A partner was critical. Yeah. Uh, I worked with a guy named Cody. He's the one who got the job. And then we together tackled, what was it? The number 18 sticks in my mind. Like 18 bookshelves, a couple of CD display racks, some wall storage systems, uh, a couple of bookshelves. So it was a big job, you know, for two people. And it took way longer than we expected it to. On the good side, it was a commercial job, Mm -hmm. so we could charge a lot. And I mean, I don't mind telling you what the number was because ultimately when you look at our hours, we made almost nothing. Yeah. But (laughs) it was like an $18,000 job. And at the time, you know, we were like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, we're going to get half of that, $9,000. But then you realize it takes like three months. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, let me do the math on my hour investment. And how much did I make an hour? Oh, good. I made $2 an hour. This is fantastic. Uh, so price it right. If you're doing it by yourself, don't find it. Uh, get someone to help you. Price that into your, you know, uh, in, in how you cost the project and how you charge for it. Um, at those numbers, though, man, 90, 300, that's production. And that takes a certain mindset. And depending on what you're trying to do, it could be a good business move, but it might not be a great moral move for your moral? Uh, morale. Morale. <laughs> not moral. God. <laughs> it might not be a good morale move yeah. because 300... But it also could be a good learning experience for them too. Oh, no matter what you do, it's going to be a good learning experience. Yeah. You're either going to hate it or make good choices and get through it and actually love it and maybe even have... I'm not, I don't want to discourage you from doing it because as a business, this could be a whole new thing for you because you do that for one nursing home and you never know what's going to come from that. Yeah. When I started to do work for restaurants, uh, fixing chairs, it was like a- any particular restaurant, you could just go in and if you go to eat there and you're sitting in a chair that's a little bit wobbly, you know, ask to speak to a manager, have a card ready and say, hey, I can help you with this. Um, and I could get jobs like that left and right if I wanted them yeah. uh, at that time. I just didn't really enjoy them that much, so I didn't ask. Um, so word of mouth is huge, right? So this could open up a lot of doors for you, but just be prepared. That much production is a lot. It's mm-hmm. just a lot. Hopefully you got a facility that can handle it too. You, yeah. m- you must or else you wouldn't be entertaining the thought of it. I remember that was a, that was a rough job for you. It was tough. Yeah. It was in uh, Arizona summer too. Yeah. Right? Ooh, yeah, it was. Ooh. Okay. Mike Davies, just got a carving disc for my angle grinder. Wants to try power carving. Uh, a couple things that I need to know before I put it to wood so I don't hurt myself or destroy whatever wood that I grab off the shelf. Do you have a get a starting, getting started with power carving video that I missed? I don't. I don't think I ever made one. I do have a power carving article. And actually, I wrote it for Pop Woodworking. So the article is on my website, but it's also on Pop Wood's website. They just posted this on uh, Facebook recently. So kind of an old article, but there's an introduction there. Um, but what I would recommend you do, so what I usually recommend to anybody, is get a 2x4. Cut it into you know 18-inch long pieces, 16-inch long pieces, uh, safely clamp it to your workbench, and start turning it into a toothpick. The idea is what, what you really need to learn, like a router, like any spinning tool, directionality matters a lot, and how that directionality plays with the grain matters a lot. And the harder the species, you know, the more it's going to fight you and the more that grain can cause things to move around. So start with something a little bit soft, something that's going to be a little buttery smooth. It's going to be pretty easy. It's not going to fight you a lot. You're very unlikely to hurt yourself as long as you're taking your time. But learn what it's like when you go from left to right off the end of a board versus going from left to right into a board. Right? These, these things will have a different reaction. Uh, go across the grain and see what happens from left to right. Or go across the grain right to left. 
There are little tricks, just like a router, with climb cutting, cutting against the grain, um, but it's really hard for me to put those on paper, so you, you gotta try it. So that's what I recommend, and take it easy, never plunge too hard, less is more, um, and just take your time and learn the physics of it and what it actually feels like. You really just gotta get some experience. Donald wants to know if, <clears throat> if we're going to April's grand opening of, of her woodshed. This is the second time in two days I got yeah. that question. No, we're not. Well, put it this way, I got we're the first question about it yesterday, that's the first time I heard about it. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I guess she's so, having like a big party Yeah, or so April Wilkerson, if you're familiar with her, she has created this huge shop of sorts. It's like a shared space maybe. I don't know. It's some, something community-focused. Yeah, it's community-focused. I remember hearing her and talk about it. And she's doing, and it's free to attend. So if you're <clears throat> in the Texas area where she lives, she's Texas, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, they're doing a thing. She's uh, not that far from uh, Philip Morley. We're still in a pandemic. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. I canceled the trip this month. The way things are going, it's kind of got me like, oh, should I have canceled the trip with jewelry? But like, I'm, not, I'm just not prepared to deal with being on the road and masks and all yeah, of that. Yeah. I just don't want to do it. So yeah, honestly, for, for April, I mean, we hope everybody has a good time. Yep. Uh, but I don't, I don't think we'll be attending. Uh, Air Weaver Balloons <clears throat> makes balloon animals and sculptures. That's what I, I said. was right. No, I, that's I what I said. said that. And he probably ties them all together. Puts a basket under it and wishes people a bon voyage. <laughs> That's most likely what happens. Uh, Eric Cole, my last question here, Nicole. Tim JB wants to know if we're having a Guild May meeting. Our June meeting. It's June. Gosh. That explains it right yeah, there, well, Tim. We're just like, I do think we'll have one in yeah, June. Yeah. yeah. We'll have we just, one. We've got to get it on the calendar. Okay, Eric says, I've determined it's time. May. Oh, this is a good question to end on today. I've determined it's time to expand my barbecue game. Where would you suggest they start researching uh, what pellet grill or smoker would be best to add to my collection? I have a Weber charcoal kettle and a Weber Genesis propane grill. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. all right. Let's talk about this. Let's Nicole. talk about let's it. Let's get into it. Uh, one of the best websites I've found, and I haven't really dug that deep into it because I've heard of them in the past and I've gotten great articles, but I haven't dug too deep into the website. But this very scientific approach to barbecue is amazingribs.com. Mm. And I know they do have articles on like combustion and the differences between different fuel types and what it does to impart flavor into foods. So definitely look at that website because I think it's just really good, pure information. If you go to the average Joe barbecue dude and get an opinion, that world is worse than asking for woodworking advice from the average Joe. Like everybody thinks that they, they know something, but it's really just their little microcosm of experience that they think is great. And you leave there thinking this thing is the best thing ever, but then you talk to the next guy and you find out, well, no, this thing is actually a little bit better, but it's two different experiences, right? Um, one thing that I found really helpful is if you narrow it down to a couple different brands, for instance, I was looking into a pellet smoker because... I like having different fuel types and it's a hobby for me. So I was looking at different brands and I narrowed it down to maybe like three or four. And then I joined their Facebook groups and not the main company's Facebook group. The fan groups. Yeah, the biggest fan groups I could find, right? One of each. And for instance, looking at pellet smokers, mm -hmm. I joined the Rec Tech group. And then I joined the other one was, uh, um, not Lang, that's the big offsets, um, Yoder. And this is not passing judgment. This is just making an observation. After uh, at least a week of being in both groups, I was inundated with posts in the Yoder group complaining about paint chipping, paint peeling. How do I do like a lot of posts about rehabbing to repaint them uh, and then electronics issues like, hey, have you ever seen this when there's like it blinks three times then a temperature dips like questions like that. And I rarely, rarely saw anything like that in the rec tech group. So these are actual users who like their grill. They like what they've bought, but they're complaining about it because they've got problems. So not that that's always a good measure, but it can be helpful, right? Mm -hmm. Go see what people are saying about their own grills, and it will give you an idea of what the better buy is. And to answer that question, without a doubt, rec tech was just a night and day difference just in terms of perception of quality, um, how the company handles uh, customer service, my own experience with their customer service was fantastic. So if you're in the market for a pellet grill, I'm going to save you some time right now. I'm going to tell you to get a rec tech. There you go. Okay. Wow, we're over time. It was an extra long show today. Yeah, baby. Um, uh, who was it? Oh, somebody just told me why people are asking you. Uh, apparently, uh, April said some special guests were going to be there, but she didn't say names, so people were asking it. Oh, just... 
I'm not that special, Nicole. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot more special you people than I me. You and I know that. <laughs> and I think most people know I don't like to go anywhere. So I think the chances of it being me are also reduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm busy uh, I'm busy in Denver live trapping rabbits for yeah. my property. That's yeah. that's my new hobby. Rabbits. <laughs> Stupid webbits. Webbits. Weskily webbits. All right. So if you are a Patreon supporter, I'm going to put the link uh, to the Patreon after show, which mm-hmm. we're going to... Mosey on over. We're going to do it after this show. After this show. That's why show. it's called the after show. We have some questions already asked on the post. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. good. All right. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. Think, yeah. If you're going to the after show, we will see you there. If you're going to April's, we won't see you there. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be here. <laughs> we'll be over here. We'll be here. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Bye. Have a good one.